ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipols, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Wipols' chief content officer, is here to discuss everything you need to know about how young consumers are thinking about wellness and what it means for brands. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. One of the things that we've talked about a lot is that young consumers are anxious and they're also comfortable talking about their mental health. And beyond that, they see mental health as part of the larger topic of wellness. And of course, I'm always asking you, but what does it really mean? What is wellness? Can you operationalize that for me? And ta-da, this latest report does just that. It takes a deep dive into wellness, what it means, and how brands can participate in this rather expansive and expanding topic. But before we talk about your findings and what it all means, can you give us some information on the trend report, geographic territory, age of who you survey, methodology you use? Yeah, absolutely. So Wipols is constantly studying Gen Z and millennials to be the experts on decoding the next generation for brands. And every month we deep dive into the latest cultural shift that we think young consumers are fueling and that brands need to understand in order to reach them. Each of these trend reports has a dedicated survey that's fielded among 1,500 13 to 39 year olds in the US and then also young consumers in Western Europe. Today, we're going to be talking about our North American data. So with a base of 1,500, which is naturally representative with quotas for age and race and gender and ethnicity and region, so very balanced, we're looking at a very small margin of error and a real authentic and almost real-time look at how young people feel about these questions that we've asked them. Fantastic. I love that you have so much data because it means that I really can look at these percentages and feel the priorities that the young consumers place on one thing compared to another, which for me is especially interesting in the context of wellness. First of all, let's talk definitions. Is there one for wellness? What's in, what's out? Yeah. So what that's what we wanted to explore here. So our trend report, What is Wellness, is based on a lot of questions that we were getting from clients. What does wellness actually look like for young people? Mm. And then a lot of zeitgeist, night looks, trending, and things that were the party girl aesthetic and these kind of anti-wellness, anti-green juice, yeah. <laughs> anti-that girl. That girl is this trend on, on TikTok that has billions of views. And it's all about these routines, these strict routines of journaling and working out and manifesting and all these elaborate steps and elaborate routines to be your best self. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we did see these hints that young consumers were kind of rebelling a bit against that concept of wellness. And we really wanted to dig in and find out what they feel about wellness now. So we did find that The definition of wellness is shifting considerably for young consumers. Again, this is part of an evolution that's been happening for some time, but it is broadening. And in the end, we did find that 
right now, wellness for them is anything that makes them feel good. So the definition is blurry and it's broad, but that's how they want it. Hmm. So it's a bit of, I know it when I see it. And when they think how they're doing, because they do think about how they're doing, I know the generation is anxious, but when they self-assess for, for wellness, how are they clocking in? Yeah, it was really interesting because we talk about their struggling and there's always headlines about Gen Z and millennials and how much they're struggling and <laughs> how, how hard things are and how they are the most anxious. And we talk about that a lot, which is relevant and of course, all true, but it's rarely talked about if they're doing well, right, <laughs> they, right. they feel like they're doing well. And when we look at how they rate themselves when it comes to their wellness routines and their their own assessment of their health, we do see, first of all, that the majority are proactively working on their wellness, whatever the definition for them is. The top things they're working on are, are physical health, but mental health is right behind it, really almost neck and neck. So both are very important to them. And then their ratings of themselves are fairly high. Most are saying that they are doing well to very good mm. on most aspects of wellness. So the majority feel they're doing well when it comes to mental health, physical health. So and we see a generation that don't think they're failing. And you saw a difference by gender though, a, a, a kind of oh, sure. marked difference there. And can you just talk about that a little bit? We often see that male respondents, young males are more confident in their capabilities, whether that be their financial knowledge or in this case, how they feel they're doing when it comes to health. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, males were more likely to rate themselves highly when it mm -hmm. came to everything from mental health to social life to physical health and females a little bit lower. And this really follows a trend that we see in, in many of our surveys where females are less likely to be confident in their knowledge and in their performance and more likely to be feeling anxious, to be feeling negative impacts of things like comparing themselves to people on social media. Mm. So absolutely a gender gap. And we see that pretty consistently, unfortunately. This survey is North America based. Have you run this survey in Europe and do you see a, I'm wondering if there are any cultural differences yeah, we, ha we have run this survey in Western Europe. It's consistent with females. In Western Europe, when we look at the data, comparing males and females, it's consistent with North America that males are more likely to feel that they are doing well and females less likely to feel that they are doing well across every aspect of wellness that we asked about. You looked at spending dollars and also the spending activity, the sheer dollar amount spent and then the sort of frequency of buying. Mm -hmm. And you found some gender differences there too, in that men spent more, mm -hmm. but yeah, the women absolutely. were doing the shopping. <laughs> it seemed like. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, yeah. so when thinking about this, given this pile of information, if I'm a brand thinking about the target market, what do these data points say to you? First of all, all young people tell us that they're working on their wellness. So so to, it's a universal to limit it okay. to just males or just females would be a mistake. And as you just said, males are spending more when it comes to their their own estimates of the average of how much they spend on health and wellness monthly. Males estimate that they are spending more. So again, when we're looking at brands and they are thinking about wellness means skincare for for women or fitness for women, you need to think beyond that. It's really it's a universal thing that we're seeing for young consumers and really important 
to, to know that. If I'm a brand and I am thinking about pricing, that there sure. is a little bit more headroom if I'm marketing a male-focused product versus well, we should a female. also probably talk about the fact that females generally have had to pay more for anything well, that that's... they are buying with the pink tax. So maybe this is some strong evidence that that needs to change. That's interesting. That's interesting. Circling back to the definition, when I looked at some of the initial data, I was really struck by this, the flexibility, not only in the definitions of what is wellness, but the application. They want wellness when they want it. And they want wellness non-judgmentally. You mentioned night lux. First of all, can you define night lux for people who are like, what? Absolutely. So yes, I talked about that girl. And so I can it's only fair to define <laughs> night lux as well. So night lux is almost the antithesis to that girl. Okay. Uh, that girl is morning, early morning routines and multi-step skincare and journaling and all that. And night lux is the idea. And again, it's a hashtag on social media. You can go on TikTok, you can watch the content Mm -hmm. Um, that partying, spending time with friends, going out for the night, indulging is just as much a part of wellness as Mm -hmm. any of those routines or that it is a valid form of wellness to, to have that release, to have that indulgence, to have those moments of treating yourselves and, and letting go and spending net time, that social time. And Of course, it's an aesthetic as well. Last time we talked, we were talking about fit for the feed, right? Yes. Is night lux, are they really wearing that stuff? Or is it just like (laughs) I'm presenting that I'm wearing that stuff? Are Are they really going out or is it performative going out. I think partly a bit performative, right? And and that's one of the things we want to dig into here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this trend that's happening on social media that is purporting to be the antithesis of that girl and saying that this is a form of wellness. Do young people really believe that? Do they really believe that going out is is Or do they want wellness? it to be so because they're burned out and tired of that girl telling them what to do? I mean, it was interesting. You specifically asked about the types of products in terms of need for a routine. You must put on this face cream yes. every day, those yes. kinds of things. What did you find out? By far, young people are pushing against this idea that wellness needs to be a strict routine. And the majority, first of all, feel that people in general should approach wellness with a more loose approach of doing the things that make them feel happy in the moment, as opposed to following a strict routine. And then when it comes to actual products, the majority, and I believe it was 73% Mm. would prefer to buy from a brand that has their products not requiring a routine versus 27% who would prefer to purchase from a brand that requires a strict routine. Well, and that's interesting because it's all in how you frame it, understanding really around the marketing of a product and also whether or not it's going to be effective. I'm curious whether some of this, it feels good. Does this tie into body positivity as well, do you think? I think there is a tie to it. We really kind of map out in, in the beginning of the report that wellness has evolved in millennials lifetime and mm-hmm. and they've been a part of that and when they grew up wellness and first of all it wasn't really a term that a lot of people were throwing around but no. also it was really diet focused and that's millennials were immersed in that and being told that 
they just needed to drink water instead of eat because if they were feeling hungry, they were probably just thirsty. And seeing the Victoria's Secret Angels and very skinny starlets and commercials for Trim Spa and all of that. And that evolved. We wrote trend reports back in the the earlier 2000s about how the definition of pretty was changing at fitness was becoming far more aspirational and mm. a big part of things. And to your point, body inclusivity was pushed forward by these generations and it became much more of a value that brands needed to respond to, to represent bodies of all shapes and sizes. And they expect brands to be inclusive in their wellness. Absolutely. But in the years since those shifts have happened, first of all, Gen Z has grown up and that is their standard. That's their context. And oh, right. So they start from there. That's yeah, their, they start that's from their, their and starting so place. As they're growing up, now they're looking and re-examining that. How much of that is healthy, specifically that fit is the new pretty kind of mentality. And they've grown up being far more open about mental health. And so we find ourselves now with Gen Z, especially, but also millennials looking at this quote unquote newer definition of wellness, which is around fitness and what I eat in a day and green juice and, and saying, what, this is kind of toxic too. Right. Right. Anything that's too, anything that's too extreme is too much. In addition to products, you also looked at images that conveyed wellness. And obviously this is an audio experience for our listeners, (laughs) but can you describe what makes a visual convey wellness? Because there was definitely an opinion about that. Yeah, we wanted to show that night Lux versus the that girl quite quite straightforward. Mm. And so we showed respondents an image around of young people out drinking, not to excess but having fun, and another image of someone drinking her juice and in her robe and you know calmly at home, mm. probably just finished a skincare routine, it looks like. Mm. And we asked them, which image represents wellness to you? A little bit over half told us that the image of the woman with her juice in her robe at home, <laughs> right? that, that girl, that girl was represents wellness to them. But I thought it was extremely interesting that over a quarter told us both, both images. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. In the past, we've talked about who influences consumers. So I know you asked about it. Who influences young consumers when they're thinking about wellness? It won't be too big of a surprise to know that when it comes to where they're looking for information, um, Mm. social media, (laughs) as with so many of our surveys, social media is number one. And then when it comes to who they're listening to, The number one answer was actually their family and their friends and by far. So they are looking at the people around them. And of course, word of mouth is so important to these generations, which we see so often. But after friends and family, trends on social media is the third response. So the that girl, the night looks, those things do seep through. Well, it was interesting that also when looking at celebrities, athletes, were considerably more important than TV, movie celebrities, online celebrities, music celebrities. And so if I'm a brand and I'm looking for a wellness influencer, tapping an athlete might be a way to go. 
Absolutely. And we've seen a lot of brands do that from, I believe, Sweetgreen partnering with Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles to, I think, I think skincare brands would be wise to go in that direction as well. Oh, that's interesting. That's really different, isn't it? Yeah, because of course there's fitness that you can partner with a, a world-class athlete and, and show them in your Nike gear and or whatever gear and show them with your fitness stuff. But with these generations, the definition of wellness isn't just about physical fitness. Well, and crossing it might be very, very clever. That's really sure. interesting. So going back to the where, the platform and social media, so important. And we've also talked in the past about how social platforms can be a source of positives, but also negatives. And certainly MetaZone research about Instagram showed that there were some wellness challenges on that platform and, mm-hmm. and users are aware of it. Did the spectrum of views about wellness, when they started to talk about toxic did they ascribe a why to the toxicity? Mm. It's a it's a great question. It's something that we've explored in in other research actually that we are including in the report and we see really clearly that it's it's not necessarily a particular platform that's making them feel like these things are toxic. These trends are all over the place. They're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're elsewhere. But it's the overall feeling of perfection um, that they are holding themselves to the standard to. And when we look at their thoughts about social media and beauty and self-perception, the majority of young females feel that social media makes them feel bad about their appearance. Right. And about half tell us that it's important that they look perfect on social media. So there's a pressure there. About half also tell us that they always edit their photos before they post them on social. So that pressure is a result of... Well, that uh, pressure is caused by themselves, though, isn't it? I mean, if if it's a crowdsourced medium and they're all... It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, for sure, because they are seeing filtered, perfect-seeming content from people like them and from influencers, and that makes them feel pressured to also appear perfect and to filter and to edit before they post, and then others are seeing that. But their real-life internal experience is, is much more nuanced, muddy, messy. Of course. Everybody's is because we're we're complicated emotional creatures. Of course. Now, in most things, young consumers are okay with brands talking to them about issues, but it has to be done right. What does doing wellness right look like for brands? Yeah, well, I think it would be maybe surprising to some brands that when we ask what they would prefer brands talk to them about, Mm. that they would prefer that brands talk to them about mental wellness rather than physical wellness. And I think that is a shift that Gen Z has helped to usher in with their openness about mental health. And I think millennials have embraced that as well. But I think Mm -hmm. a lot of brands still are wary about entering the mental health conversation. So really important to note that 61% say they want brands to teach them about mental and emotional wellness versus 39% who say they want brands to teach them about physical wellness. It's not that you can't touch physical wellness. It's just that their preference actually is for uh, that conversation around emotional wellness instead. Hmm. 
Well, I wonder also if it's that there's a lot of information. If we think about the evolution of wellness, there's a lot of resource out there for physical wellness. Maybe there's a little less around mental wellness. One of the things that I found really interesting was you asked an open-ended question about which brands made these young consumers think about wellness. And I saw some of the obvious brands, but I also saw some banking brands. Can any brand really tap into wellness? And it's just a matter of understanding what the thread is. Yeah, well... The data says 58% agree that any brand can talk about wellness. On top of that, the majority say that any product can be a wellness product if it makes them feel good, if they use it for self-care. And if Mm. any product can be a wellness product, then any brand can be a wellness brand. So again, that definition of wellness really broadening. And if wellness is anything that makes you feel good, and it could be anything from physical to mental to how you're taking care of your finances, potentially. Well, right. Um, There is financial anxiety. That's why I thought, oh, that's very interesting. Because at first I was like, oh, that's strange. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe it's a way to relieve stress because you've got it under control and this is, and we help you, we, we team with you. This is important. Yeah. But caveat, of course, that the top responses for that question are Nike, Fitbit, GNC, Walgreens, your typical. So the top answers when it comes to what they think of when they think of a wellness brand are your, your typical wellness and health brands. And I think the idea that any brand can be a wellness brand is something that they are really, they're really open to, but not every brand necessarily has tapped into this feeling, right? Well, I think what's interesting is are there brands that want to be high on this list, that they've staked their brand positioning around wellness, that maybe they're not ranked as high as as they'd like to be? And it's, it's the kind of thing where they can dig in if they team with you guys to see a little bit more nuanced. Sure. I think that some brands really have built their brand identities on the older definition of wellness. And Uh, as young consumers are looking for more fluidity, more flexibility, more inclusivity when it comes to wellness, when they're redefining wellness to be anything that makes them feel good, anything that feels like self-care, less than perfect and less routine and, and more understanding. I think brands need to examine what definition of wellness they've really been ascribing to and made a part of their identities and see if they need to evolve that. Right. So last question, who's doing it really, really well? And what about what they are doing makes it a home run? Yeah, I think there are brands that are pushing forward and disrupting the industry or the area that they are entering with new ideas around what wellness can look like and who wellness is for. And that representation that we talked about before, the body inclusivity and and the inclusion of uh, everyone when it comes to wellness is something that's really important to young people. And it's a journey that started some time ago, but it continues to be really a value that they want brands to carry forward. So we included in the report the example of Lizzo's shapewear brand, Yiddy. You know, it's shapewear, right? Which has certain connotations. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the market of shapewear, there's very specific messaging around why it's being used and who it looks best on. Kim Kardashian right. has her own shapewear line. Right. Uh, she has a very specific shape to her. <laughs> and right. 
Lizzo's new brand Yiddy is founded on this idea of reinventing what shapewear is for, who it's for, and why people wear it. That it's about being for everybody, everybody literally, and that it's about really not being thinner or sucked in, but being comfortable and feeling, feeling like you're being your best self. It's really all about body positivity. And it's, it's something that I think follows in the footsteps of what Rihanna did with Fenty Mm. and Fenty Savage, but to, to apply that specifically to shapewear is, is really interesting. And to, to say that shapewear is self-care and not about how other people are viewing you, but about how you're feeling is how you feel about yourself, that you're not, that's really, it is a neat trick to pull yes, it off, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, and they're they're doing it. They're they're pulling it off. Um, that's amazing. So I think that's that's one example. Half of young people tell us that they want wellness marketing that promotes body positivity and inclusivity, and it's important that that's a part of of the wellness conversation to them. Fantastic. This has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.